Welcome to Cretech Climate Cast, a podcast series devoted to educating, inspiring, and leading the built world to address the world's biggest crisis, climate change. I'm your host, Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech Climate, the leading voice for the real estate industry's commitment to climate tech. Join me each week for 20 minutes as we connect with the world's leading real estate and tech innovators from VCs, real estate companies, academic and nonprofit sectors. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, it's Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech and Cretech Climate. Welcome to my podcast, Cretech Climate Cast, where each episode I'm talking with leaders who are focused on climate change and the built world. My guest for this particular episode, Albert Slap, president of Coastal Risk Consulting, is somebody that I initially connected with probably about five years ago. And he reached out or I reached out. We Somehow we connected and he started talking to me about climate change and flooding and risk. And it was a really interesting conversation, very thoughtful. But I was like, you know, and he's trying to get me to focus the content on Cretech on these, these big issues, these critical issues. And I, of course, I'm sure I said, hopefully I said it in a kind way. You know, Albert, great ideas, but I'm really just focused on technology right now and trying to get the industry to adopt technology solutions, et cetera. We're the early stages of Cretech. We kept in touch. And five years later, it's one of these holy shit moments like, Albert, I need you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the work that he's been doing probably in the dark for all these years is finally coming to light in a good way that people, both individuals, companies around the world are focused on on climate risk and climate change. So Albert, it took me a while to get here, my friend, but uh, never too late, right? So it's good to see you. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks, Michael. I'm, I'm glad also that we're here together to talk about this important topic. Let's start, Albert. Just I don't. I want to jump right in because there's so much to unpack with what you're doing. But you know, you, you've you've been a, you were an environmental lawyer for many, many, many years. I think uh, you're also an active environmentalist and, a, and really a great advocate of the environment and climate. What led you to uh, sort of focus your energy and your attention on on coastal risk consulting five years ago? What was that moment where you said, "This is where I'm going to start to focus my time and attention." Yeah, it's a little bit of a story. I won't belabor it, but the last large environmental case that I did was for Waterkeeper, uh, Miami Waterkeeper and Sierra Club against Miami-Dade Water and Sewer because their plants had been violating the Clean Water Act and were putting raw sewage out into Biscayne Bay and the Miami River. And uh, I had done cases like that previously in my career, and it was, you know, a long career. So I was kind of getting ready to retire. And pretty much immediately, Miami-Dade admitted that they were violating the Clean Water Act and had to put a billion dollars back into the system to cure the violations. But there was a catch. And the catch was that the three sewage treatment plants, major infrastructure for the county, were so low to the water that they were already having issues with king tides and sea level rise. And that as you know, water and sewer plants last, infrastructure lasts 50 or more years, 
that they weren't going to do well with sea level rise. And we raised that issue. And unfortunately, the lawsuit became not so much about curing the immediate pollution problem, but um, what was Miami-Dade County going to do to make these plants safer and elevate them? We ended up winning that case. The case is very important because it's probably the first case in the United States and in the world where citizens sued the government to make infrastructure climate ready and storm safe. And now Miami-Dade County is a leader, mm -hmm. as is Miami and Miami Beach. They're leaders in the resilient movement. And they understand that elevating infrastructure, roads, bridges, causeways, water and sewer, electric grid, that that's all going to be part of achieving resilience in these air, especially the coastal areas that have a lot of problems. So after that case was done, I retired from the practice of law. But some of the scientists that I was in touch with in South Florida asked me to help them start a technology company, you could call it CRE Tech, but it's also available to individuals that would provide fast, accurate and affordable risk assessments to any property in the United States. So we started with coastal and we started with sea level rise and, and uh, flooding from storm surge. But now we've branched out all over the United States, Alaska, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, inland, wildfire, tornadoes, earthquakes, wind, community resilience. So we've gone far, far beyond what our initial program was, which was the coastal risk. Just to unpack that a little bit further, tell us about the team that you've assembled and sort of the work that you're doing today, just at a very, very high level on coastal sure. risk. Well, the two scientists that I mentioned, Dr. Leonard Berry, my co-founder, is a world-renowned climate scientist. He was head of the Center for Environmental Studies of Florida for about 20 years and a lead author on the third national climate assessment. And my other co-founder, Dr. Brian Soden actually shared the Nobel Prize with Vice President Al Gore and was uh, one of the lead authors on the first IPCC, UN IPCC report on climate change that uh, the Vice President won and his team, which included Dr. Soden. So they are my science background. We have GIS specialists and programmers, front end, back end, other scientists and a cadre of, adv of advisors such as engineers and architects and consultants, when we bring them in as needed. All right. So, you know, most of what we've always tried to do on Cretech, and we're following the same sort of playbook with Cretech Climate, is educate the real estate industry, the commercial real estate industry. So these apartment owners, logistics, office buildings, retail, hotel, et cetera, increasingly single family as well. And we're always, you know, the, the, with Cretech, it was about educating about the, the opportunities with regards to investing in technology. On climate, obviously, it's a different story with a greater sense of urgency. So, so much of what we're trying to do, though, is just educate and inform. So could we start with just sort of making the case, right, to our audience, which are largely real estate owners and developers globally, why should they be concerned about the building and portfolio risk today? Well, first, let me just back up slightly and say that when we talk about climate change and the built environment, it's a two-sided coin. The, the first side is what your buildings or your assets are doing to the planet. Mm -hmm. ESG, environmental social governments, CO2 reduction, net zero. That's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. And really a lot of focus 
U.S. Green Building Council, et cetera. A lot of focus has been on, oh, what are your assets doing to the planet? Our focus, which is much newer, is the second side of the coin, but it's the same coin, which is, okay, well, what's the planet doing to my assets? I've had some problems, or maybe I haven't. Maybe I've been really lucky and none of my buildings have ever been affected by anything, but there are tipping points coming and you need to know about them. So what our modeling does, there's lots of people that are doing the first side of the coin, which is what your assets are doing to the planet. There are not so many that are doing what we're doing, which is what's the planet doing to my assets, both at a portfolio, at an individual property, and at the acquisition level. So that's what we're trying to focus on. And that could be for reporting purposes, some of these high-level reporting programs, especially the public REITs. The public REITs are, many of them are, and especially people who come to us, I'm not going to drop names here, but we represent some of the largest REITs in the United States, public and private. They're already participating in these uh, high-level reporting programs which require qualitative risk scoring of a variety of risks, floods, natural hazards, extreme weather, climate change. But that's not helping them with the what to do next. It's bad news, or could be good news, or bad news, or medium, but it doesn't really answer the what's next. And so what we've tried to do, and I think what distinguishes us from some of the other tech companies, CRE tech companies or prop tech companies that are out there, is that we try to be more quantitative, more actionable, and we're a hybrid. So we're not a pure tech play. Mm-hmm. We have the tech, the risk footprint tech, and then we have what's called our B resilient, B hyphen resilient solutions advisory services. So we can talk a little bit of, I want to turn it back to you for for more questions, but we can talk about the deeper dives because Mm -hmm. these owners, whether they're acquiring something or they own something, most of them that we're finding are looking for the deeper dive. Well, and that's sort of like, that's where my question was going. Thanks for that point, because we, we've talked about the difference between the impact that the built world is having on the environment, but you're really the first one I've spoken to that's talking about the environment's impact on the built world. And that's why this, this was such an important podcast for me to schedule. But you know, I feel like we've got a heightened sense of awareness about climate change in the built world, right? You know, the impact the built world's having on climate, but not enough on risk. I personally don't sense that that conversation is being held enough. In my backyard in New York, in your backyard in Miami, maybe it's a different case. In other cities around the country, you know, so what is the message though to these developers, to these owners, to the asset managers? It's like why they should be very concerned about mitigating and understanding risk over the next five years, as much as they are concerned about, again, reporting the impact the other way. So your listeners uh, can fall into different categories. They're developers who develop according to current building codes and they flip it to a REIT or they're flipping it to an HOA or some other invest- in investment vehicle. And their time frame is just the time frame that it takes to build uh, whatever it is that they're building and they walk away and uh, turn the keys over to uh, to others. But then you have the buy and hold group, which is mostly who we're doing work for, whether it's hotels and resorts or REITs or 
they're giving triple triple net leases to Amazon and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Costco and whoever. So they're holding this. Maybe it's 10 years on a CMBS, but even 10 years on a CMBS is is a long time because the next buyer that comes in is looking 10 years down the road also. So you really, if you're coming in with a 10-year window, it's really a 20-year window. But most of our risk analysis is current year. And we have four or five risks that we look at in the future, but most of it's current. And, you know, every time we talk to a new customer and they give us a new address, which we literally process in seconds, they go, wow, I didn't see that coming. I didn't realize that. That's the point. And not that I, we're not a nonprofit and we're not an advocacy group. I, in the five years that we've been doing this, Michael, I've probably told people to walk away less than a handful of times. And we've done thousands of these reports. There are properties that you want to walk away from, but Mm -hmm. most of them, we're not talking about that. We're talking about how do I figure out the CapEx to make the property safer, more sustainable and resilient. And one of my clients said something tongue in cheek that I always repeat because it's kind of cute. He said, Albert, you help us get as close to the hot market as possible without getting our feet wet. And that getting our feet wet is a metaphor for any kind of risk, whether it's wildfire, tornado, earthquake, floods, you name it. And and I like that because they know where the hot markets are. That's not our our shtick. But once they decide, they may or may not have a specific property in mind, So they have some flexibility. Do I like this property better than that property? Is this safer than that? And we can have those discussions literally on the fly. Great. I love that. That's exactly what I was looking for. And it's encouraging that you're having those kind of conversations because I would imagine that's a lot of our audience is wants to have that conversation with you, which is to understand, hey, that's a hot market, but what, what don't I know in terms of you know, the climate risk. So talk to us about the risk footprint report. This is a new product that you guys have launched. I've been following it. What's the evolution of it? What does it do? So the the risk footprint technology uses a, a variety of both proprietary data sets and open source data sets and algorithms. And you can either do it a la carte or you can have your own subscription. We're pretty much, you know, we're getting a new REIT signed up almost every week now that wants a subscription, they put their portfolio in, we score the entire portfolio, they get both qualitative and quantitative information about every one of their properties and and new properties. And we have 15 or 16 different columns of risk. But the newest one, and I wanted to follow up with my last point, Michael, is we just added the National Risk Index Community Resilience Score. You know, you say, well, you know, the, the, the standard environmental site assessment or uh, property condition assessment, and we have a binary, is it in a FEMA flood zone or it's not in a FEMA flood zone? But, you know, when that person asks, how do I get close to the hot market without getting my feet wet? A corollary question is, what's happening in the hot market that uh, are, are they becoming resilient? Right. Do they have the capability and the political will, the financial capability and political will to keep the streets dry and the lights on? Again, metaphorically, I mean, much more than that. So 
the deeper dive and and our our screening tool, which risk footprint is not a design or you know architectural engineering design level report. It can't be. We're doing it for hundreds of dollars in seconds. But it it's it's this red flag that's going to tell people look closer. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk in a lot of we did a lot of work in South Florida, you know, Miami, Miami Beach, Miami Dade County, they're the leaders. Right. But you think about the smaller towns. Uh, in Miami-Dade County alone, I think there's 34 different municipalities. They all don't have the tax revenue that Miami and Miami Beach, and they're all not going to succeed uh, with climate change. And that's an important factor. Yeah, and that's exactly, you know, yeah, because you and I are, are in such sync, uh, this conversation, which is great. And that's where I really wanted to go next, which was, so, you know, you're assessing climate risk on the ground in real time for the property, a portfolio, et cetera. But what, what about communities, whether it's, you know, and you started to unpack that, but I'd like to dive into that a little deeper, like whether it's the political will, whether it's the financial will, whether it's the talent or whatever it is, what should the audience be thinking about when they want to expand to a hot market? And are there examples, you mentioned Miami, where you've seen cities that are really, that get this and are on the leading edge of addressing a climate change right. in, in the built world? So again, without naming names or, or dropping names, we were in the early due diligence of a client that wanted to buy an older hotel, beachfront hotel in Miami Beach for north of $800 million. And to, to drop that kind of money, they wanted to know things like, well, what's the flooding condition now? How long is the beach going to last? What, what does the beach look like at high tide now or king tide now? And what's the beach going to look like in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, what have you? And that's, that's an environmental issue. But on the, that was on the ocean side. But on the, on the land side, you have Collins Avenue or A1A, and that's a state road. So one of the things they want to know is because they heard about road raising is when is it going to be raised? How high is it going to be raised? And is that water when you raise the road coming back into our lobby? Because this was a 1969 vintage hotel with a lobby that was at the same level as the sidewalk. Then on the other side of Collins Avenue is the intercoastal waterway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where you see an awful lot of sea level rise and, and tide flooding impacts. So Miami Beach has been putting in pumps, large pumps with backup generators. So they want to know where's the pump going to go? There's not one now, but if they're going to put a pump in, how close is it going to be to my hotel and will it cure some of these issues? So you can't get that from a score. Right. It's, 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 it's a deeper, more refined a question questioning that when you're investing this kind of money in a buy and hold situation, you're not flipping anything. You're really in there 10, 20, 30 or more years. You want to really look and examine what's happening in these communities. And some of it's good and some of it isn't good. And where it isn't good, I at least want to help the client's frame the conversations more more factually with the community community local government mayor council person i have this report it shows that there are these issues now and they're getting worse in the future i want to buy this or i want to knock something down and develop it 
tell me what you're doing. What's the capital improvement plan? Do you have a bond issue? What does the bond prospectus say? All of those things are encompassed when we talk about, you know, a lot of people, oh, CRE tech, push a button, get a score, blah, 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 goodbye. <laughs> it's more than that. Yeah. And I wish that I could really get a lot of the, the, the large REITs and, and the commercial real estate who are not doing that right. to at least open up a little bit to understand that it's not that expensive and it's really going to help them. Sure. Especially with something like a, like you mentioned, uh, you know, an $800 million acquisition. So yeah, and I think that's great. And I think just, you know, you, you know, participating in this podcast and all the other work that you're doing on the content side, just helping raise the level of awareness that, you know, it's also about the community itself and its ability to be resilient and have planning given all that fire and, you know, storms and tornado and freezes and everything that seems to be a daily occurrence that finally, Albert, you know, I'd love to just get your sort of takeaway on, you know, again, we connected five years or so ago. I think that's when you first started Coastal Risk. And today it's got to feel like, you know, you're living in a different lifetime in a sense, because, you know, you can't pick up any media outlet today where climate change, climate risk is not, you know, front and center news in every single industry. And I would just love to get sort of like your, your personal feeling about, you know, and again, it took me five years to get you here, <laughs> what it must feel like for you day in and day out to feel like finally people are paying attention to what you've been talking about for, for so long. I mean, for the longest time, when we looked for investment, people said, well, you're on the bleeding edge. There's really no market there. And uh, we, we don't want to be there. And uh, now I think we're more on the cutting edge of, as opposed to the bleeding edge. But it's still a market that is firming up. And as we talked a little bit, this confusion between the, the risk, the high-level risk assessment, a qualitative risk assessment for reporting purposes, and more of what we're doing, which is the more deeper level quantitative for for the equity owners. And I I, I would have to say we're still mm. peeling back the the layers of the onions. We we just aren't a hundred percent there yet, but it's it's getting there. And there's. I, I hate to mix, you know, the, the apples and the oranges, but there there are people that come at this from one direction who think that a score is going to solve their problems, and then they realize that it doesn't, and so they're more coming in our direction. And we have uh, quite a quite a bit of of clientele that ha- have done these high level scores, and then they come to us and they go that that didn't really do it for us. We need real, you know, we we can't afford on all of our projects to do full bore engineering architectural studies and weeks and months and and spend tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. We want to use CRE tech to speed that process along so that we can get safer, more sustainable and resilient. And uh, just one final thing is that our connection with the US Green Building Council and lead and rely, we are now embedded in those processes so that any project that is looking to uh, go through lead or rely, which is the resilient piece of Green Building Council, will be able within their system to push a button, get a risk footprint report immediately into their file and gain free points, both prerequisite points and points toward the certification that are 
absolutely awarded by Green Building Council now with risk footprint. So I think that's a good endorsement for us that there is that niche, which are projects, are real buildings, real on the ground issues that are solved through and have been solved for many, many years through Green Building Council uh, programs. But now they're the climate change and resilience has migrated into that paradigm as well. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Albert. Well, listen to Albert Slap, President Coastal Risk Consulting. Thank you so much for your time and your patience with me <laughs> and all the great work that you're doing, Albert. I mean, yes, you're a for-profit, but you're also doing great work to help the environment, help the real estate industry understand the risks that climate change is presenting in real time. And I'm obviously a big fan of you, the team, and all the great work that you're doing. So uh, congratulations. It was great to spend time with you. Great. Thanks, Michael. If you want to hear more about top industry trends, please hit subscribe and join us on this journey to reimagine real estate. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. To stay up to date on leading climate tech trends and topics, join the Cretech Climate Community by clicking the link in our bio. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you join us next week.